So I'm going to talk about consecration. Consecration. One of the things that we need to know as believers is that in our walk with God, there are different dimensions by which we can move with God. You know, just like when a child is born, there are different dimensions of movement. A child starts by crawling. Then they start walking. Then they run. Then there's also a dimension where you can sit in an aeroplane that is flying. Amen. <laughs> so those are the dimensions of movement. It is the same with the Lord in the spirit. They are dimensions of movement. So you realize that many people have become born again, but they are not able to move with God. You know why? Because God moves at a certain dimension. All right? God moves at a certain dimension and at a certain pace. The Bible says in the book of Genesis that Enoch walked with God. Now, that's a certain dimension of movement that is revealed to us by God. It means that Enoch had the ability to catch up with God in their movement. Are you here with me? So, the way you are moving determines how far you can go with God. Because God moves at a certain dimension. So when you know the dimension by which God is moving, then you can be moving with God. That's why a lot of people, they become born again. But you see, it's almost like God is somewhere and they are also somewhere. It's either they are behind God or God is far gone. So the whole faith experience becomes like just head knowledge they are not able to move with god they are not able to catch up with god all right now imagine that someone is running and you are crawling you will never be able to catch up with the person so that's how it is there are different ways by which you can move with god we call it the protocol of consecration it's a way to move you know the things of the spirit are not like the things of the flesh so as i'm walking right now in the physical in the spirit if you want to move at a certain pace you need to find out what to do it's not a physical walk when we say enoch walk with god it's not a physical walk but it means that he understood something he did it and by doing it he was seen moving with god so what we are basically saying is that you do something that makes you move with God. It makes you operate at God's dimension. When God speaks, you hear. When God moves, you move with him. Praise Jesus. And that what makes you do that is what we call consecration. It's a protocol in the spirit. That's what makes the difference with Christians. Consecration. Now, what is consecration? Consecration is separating yourself. Separating yourself and dedicating yourself 
for the use and satisfaction of a deity. Separating yourself or setting yourself apart. Dedicating yourself for the use and satisfaction of a deity. So when you receive salvation, you are at a certain dimension with God. Because many people are saved, but not many people are able to move with God. Many people are saved. Your spirit is saved. But many people are not able to move with God. Many people are not able to hear God. Many people are not able to manifest God. So it almost looks like you are saved, but you are not saved. That's the difference. So you see certain people and you ask yourself, what kind of Christian is this? And what kind of Christian am I? It is because after salvation, some people went a step ahead to consecrate themselves. Because, for example, you fall into a pit. Someone can take you out of the pit and put you on top. And after that, you are free. Though you are grateful to the person, you can go about doing what you want. But you can also decide that because you took me out of the pit, my life is for you. I want to follow you, whatever you want to use me for. Have your way. Now, the person that decides to do that would obviously have more benefit from this person that saved him than the person that has taken the salvation and seen it as a freedom and is moving around. Of course, when you follow this man, you will know more secrets concerning why he even saved you. Concerning what other things he can teach you about his realm. So many people have been saved, but many people are not consecrated to the Savior. So separating yourself and dedicating yourself for the use and satisfaction of a deity. And that's what makes the difference. A lot of people are excited about just being saved. But to be able to move with God, to be able to move with God, hear God, feel God, talk with God, have, you know, your heart desires met. Being able for God to freely use you, you need to consecrate yourself. So that's consecration. It's an act of giving yourself holy. For example, if you came to church and you saw someone sitting on this thing, typically your mind will tell you that it is wrong. Or you came to church and someone put a plate of rice here and started eating. Why? Because, or if you went to perhaps any of the pastor's room and you saw this, if you know that this is supposed to be here, you would have a problem. Even me, if you came to my house and you saw this chair in my house, though I sit on it here, you would think twice. Why? This is what we call consecration. You see, the thing has been dedicated for a purpose. 
So using it for any other means become questionable. You can't take the offering box to your house. You can't. It's, it's not possible. Are you a Christian? Yes. Are you a good person? Yes. But you, can't, you just can't take it to your house. Why? It is consecrated. It is dedicated for the use of God. And it is supposed to be at a certain place for the consecration to be complete. All these drums and all of that, they are undergoing consecration. This pulpit is consecrated for preaching. You can't sit on it. It's for preaching. Though it can be used for so many other things. For example, this can be put by the roadside. This, before we bought it, it was displayed by the roadside. So if your life is not consecrated, it means that it is for general use. The devil can be using you. Society can be using you. Everything can use you. But the moment we bought it, it failed to become the property of the one who made it. Number two, all those who were moving around admiring it, they can't, you can't even admire it again. Because it is now for someone. If you look at it too much with admiration, you are moving into realms of envy and jealousy. Now, I'm teaching you something. But when it was on display, it is free for, you can't, even the one who made it expects people to admire it. Expect people to come around it, to touch it, and say, oh, I like it, to lift it up. Even to the extent that you can even take it to your church or church if it fits your, no one has a problem with that. But the moment it is bought, it is consecrated for a specific use. And that is where everything has its greatest value. The things here have their greatest value because they've been consecrated. They cannot be abused. They last longer because they have been consecrated. People even treat them with respect and care. Though they are items, you realize that when someone is lifting this thing, they lift it with care. Why? Because we dedicated it for the use of the master. And that's how your life is like. After being born again, God expects you to consecrate your life. And that is one of the ways of expressing gratitude to your master. Consecrating your life. Your entire being. Telling God that I am for your use and for your absolute satisfaction and until you do that you will never be able to move at a certain dimension with God there's a big difference between the pulpit here and the pulpit by the roadside all made by one designer what makes the difference is the art of consecration you know because this is consecrated for the Lord's use, you have someone waking up every morning to clean it. But the one by the roadside, the dust will fall on it. No one really cares. What is the difference? The difference is not the one who made it. The difference is the fact that this one is consecrated. So you look at your life. 
the dimension at which you're operating now as a Christian is as a result of the level of your consecration. How much of your life have you really given to God? How much of your life is really for the master's use and satisfaction? Number two, when a thing is consecrated, it loses its own will, drive, and desire. The thing now starts to seek the desire of the one that owns it. That owns it. So this pulpit cannot say, I'm tired of being here. So I want to go out a little. No. Consecration does not allow that. So your life is no more your own. When Paul said that the life I live is now Christ, he was talking about consecration. His life is no more for him. Your life after salvation is no more for you. But you see, it's a conscious decision you make that my life is now for the Lord. And before I take every step, I want to find out what he thinks. Number two, I want to know whether it pleases him. That's a consecrated life. It's a life absolutely dedicated to God. You see, if God does not have the whole of you, he does not want a part of you. That's the fact about God. If he's not going to have the whole of you, he does not want a part of you. So you see that people usually wonder, why is it that God is not using me? Why is it that God is not showing me dreams? Why is it that God is not showing me visions? Why is it that I'm not having encounters? Why is it that I'm not even going deep in prayer and fasting and all of that? Why? Because in your heart, you have not totally given your life to God. You see, you are still controlling your life, but you still want God to have expression in you. It does not work. Imagine I brought this here and then Sunday morning, the thing has walked back to the place. I cannot have the thing. I cannot use it the way I want. But a consecrated being does not have a will. His will becomes the will of the master. I pray that God will push you into that level. Consecration. That's what makes you soar in the spirit. You know, an unconsecrated life is a crawling life. When you are not consecrated, you, what you do is you crawl. That's the highest form of movement you can make in the spirit. You crawl. But the day you decide that my life is not my own. My life is for the master. And you mean it genuinely. That's the day heaven will record you as a consecrated being. And heaven will take full responsibility over your life. My life is not my own. My life is for the service and for the satisfaction of the master. That's why I always ask, what would you have me do? It's not that I don't have a mind. I have many ideas. I have many plans. I have many things I want to do. But then the question is, what would you have me do? God has an opinion. 
God has a purpose. How can God create you and he doesn't have a purpose? So you ask yourself, till this point of your life, who has been making the decisions in your life? If God is not the one making the decisions in your life, you are responsible for how far you have come. You are solely responsible. But the day you hand your life over into the hand of God, you begin to see a dimension of movement. That's the day you begin to know that there is a God who sits in the heavens. The Bible says that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost. So that is to tell you that you are owned by God. So give up your life to God. Give up your life to God. Put this pulpit here. It will be so absurd for a pastor to tell me that, oh, daddy, this thing is very nice. Let me just put it in my living room for a day. It will be so absurd. In fact, I'll start thinking that a demon has entered that pastor. Though you see, it's a very nice suggestion. But the moment something becomes consecrated, number two, it becomes sacred. Sacred means that it can only be used for God. It cannot be used for man anymore. For example, this chair is very nice. I don't have the same type in my living room. In fact, this one is nicer than what is in my living room currently. What stops me from taking it home and then every weekend I'll bring What is he doing here? Do you get the drift? No one will arrest me. No one will question me. But because in my mind this chair is for God I cannot even change the rules you can't say that okay let me do this more and then later oh, God will forgive me see consecrated people they don't even think about that dimension of God they want to serve the purpose for which they were called you know when you become so consecrated sin becomes foreign to you because sin is activated the more you think about it Sin is an option for the unconsecrated soul. It's an option. You know, there are certain areas of the Bible that people who are not consecrated, they focus on. Are you here with me? When you are not really consecrated, you focus on the options. You say that, okay, the righteous shall fall seven times until rise. See, those are options of people because you know that your life is not totally submitted. Yesterday I was having a conversation with a young lady and I said, look, stand for God. Take a stand for God. And she said, sometimes it's difficult. And I said, for all of us it is difficult. And he says, Rev, I'm afraid that I cannot go far standing for God. I will eventually fall. I will eventually fall. Because sometimes the temptation is too much. You see, that's someone that has not really handed his life over. Because when you totally hand your life to God, you think in the opposite direction. You don't think about falling. You think about entering deep into God. So there were some allowances that were made in the Bible. They were made for weaker Christians. People who have not totally submitted themselves to God. Just so that Jesus will not lose them entirely. What are you falling seven times for? If you fall by the third time, is it not enough? So by the time that this scripture enters your heart, you ask yourself, I have only fallen three. Let me add the four. 
<laughs> well, let me add two more. <laughs> this is, you ask yourself, so why were those provisions made? They were made for those crawling. The Bible says you are seated with Christ. So by the time a Christian starts saying that you are seated with Christ, you say, a righteous man shall fall seven times. You see, you have brought yourself low. But God does not want to lose you, so he still makes a provision. The Bible says that if you sin, if you sin, he's faithful and just to forgive you and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. So when you consecrate your life or yourself to God, you become God's bona fide property. You are only good for the use of God. Your mouth is good for the use of God. Your hands are good for the use of God. Your legs are good for... You see, you can't just get up and move. No, God must be the one telling you to do so. That's a dimension where you begin to see the absolute value, the reverence, the honor. No one can just get up and go and sit on this chair. No. Even though it's a chair like every other. When people are going to sit on it, they are thinking twice, even when I'm not here. So imagine this is just a woodwork and cushions. And yet, because it's consecrated, it develops a certain level of reverence. How much more your life? You know, how people treat you, how people look at you, is all an expression of the dimension of consecration you have developed with God. If people consecrate their lives, even angels relate with them differently. That's when you begin to have encounters. There's a certain kind of relationship that God develops with you. I pray that after this camp, your life will be laid on the altar. Open Romans chapter 12 verse 1 for me. Consecration is powerful. Now look at what the Bible says. It says, therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies. Now look at it. This is Paul. You see, he's talking about people who are saved. That's what I'm saying that. To see a certain dimension of God, it's not prayer. You see, but it's an offering. I see that a lot of Christians are frustrated because some people approach God this way. They say, oh God, I've served you for all long. I'm not seeing what you're doing. I'm not hearing from you. And then they get fed up and go back into the world. God cannot use what has not been dedicated to him. For example, in my house, though I have, like everybody's in my house, there's a family. I have the spoon I use and the spoon that my, even my children use. They can't use my spoon. Do you see? So when I'm using my own spoon, there's a certain kind of joy. I use it the way I want. If I'm using my daughter's spoon, I'm second guessing. <laughs> because I don't know when last she used it and perhaps where she dropped it. So that's the difference. We are all saved, but then God's dealings with us is different based on offering, consecration. 
So if you have not totally consecrated your life to God, you limit God to the extent to which he can actually use you. You limit God. So this is what Paul is saying. He says, therefore I urge you brothers. So this message is for Christians. He said, I urge you brothers, you are saved. Give me King James Version. He says, I beseech you therefore, brethren. I plead with you. He says, give me your attention. Let's have a certain serious discussion. My brothers and sisters, he said, I'm begging you by the mercies of God. That's a serious plea. He says, by the mercies of God. I'm begging you with the name of God. He says, present your body. Present your body. Because Paul realized that the Christians in Rome have been saved, but they were not consecrated. They were still using the body for what they wanted to use it for. So, they give part of their body to Jesus and part of their body is for themselves. And then Paul had the revelation that if you do that, God cannot take you far. If you do that, you will not see the hand of God in your life. If you do that, God cannot use you. How many of you will be comfortable, even though you are all here together? And then let's say Jacina brings a cutlery set. You bring your cutlery set. Ilona brings her cutlery set. Then as Jacina is using her spoon, when he just finished using a spoon, you say, oh, I want to also use your spoon. No, even though you are together, you wouldn't like to do that. Not that you suspect that there's something wrong with it. No, but you, you are just not comfortable. So how do you expect God to use you? Because when God is using you, he's taking you in completely. When you have offered yourself to other things, do you see the issue? So God can use everyone, but then God uses consecrated beings. And that's how you can see the hand of God in your life. Consecration. It's a decision you have to take. So take me back. He says, by the message of God, I'm begging you. He says, present your body as a living sacrifice. Wow. So, consecration is an act of will you do it you consecrate yourself you decide that this is my body this is my mouth this is my eyes you know job actually said that i have made a vow with my eyes that i may not look upon a maid he was talking about a young lady i may not look upon her in a wrong way that's consecration. That's a decision that invokes a dimension of God in a man. The moment you make that decision, what you are saying is that my eyes are for God's use. So you see, from that time onwards, God has eyes to use. That's when those eyes begin to see prophetic visions and dreams. Because the eyes were dedicated for God. Praise Jesus. He says, present your bodies as a living sacrifice. Holy. Acceptable unto God. 
holy, comma, acceptable unto God, comma. That means that which is consecrated is that which God qualifies as what? Holy. That which is consecrated is that which God also qualifies as acceptable. That means that you can push yourself into the realm of holiness and push your realm into the into put yourself into the realm of acceptability. God can accept you by virtue of your consecration. It's a law in the spirit. So our acceptance is not at the same level. As a certain men pray and things happen. Others pray and nothing happened. Acceptable. And what started that? He started begging them. Because he wants every one of the people to be accepted by God. So he says, I beg you. The way you are living your life, you are outside the realm of holiness. And you are outside the realm of what? Acceptability by God. So you yourself carry your body. Carry your legs. Carry yourself. And offer it unto God. Tell God, God henceforth my life is for you my body is for you my eyes are for you it's a decision, it's not automatic my thoughts are for you so people who do that begin to soar with God because now God has a body God has a body praise Jesus he said offer your body present your body as a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God. Dedicated to God. Imagine that you are dedicated to God and heaven has recorded. You know, like when you come into this church, we say, okay, what are the items, the properties of this church? This is part. So this then becomes directly the responsibility of God. But I have well, I have an air condition in my house. It is not dedicated to God. So when my children are fidgeting, when they come here, they are careful. Dedicated. Say from today, my life is not my own. Say from today, my life is consecrated for the Lord use. In Jesus' name. 